Hook them up with Ian Rod B. Back together. Brought you the show yesterday, but I was in New Orleans and Patrick and Rod were here. Uh, made that uh, excruciating ride back <laughs> to Austin, Texas, like a lot of you did. Let me say, uh, upon returning, uh, thanks to everybody who came up and said hi while we were there, Rod. We had a great time over at Manning's on game day. Uh, man, what a, what, a, what a time that was. What a party. What an event to put on by the folks at the Texas One Fund, Rick Vasquez and the team. Uh, that was awesome. We'll talk to Nick yeah. Shuley later on in the show with our set list ATX with Nick, part of that One Fund. And uh, what an event and uh, huge. Manning's Restaurant, it's now owned by the Caesars Company. And I think the group that owns the Walk-Ons chain, they're part of that too. Uh, Archie Manning started that restaurant. It's huge, Rod. It's huge. I've heard, I've heard great things. Everybody had really good things to say about it. And I told you this during the game, but uh, it's funny. They've got this, this the, the screen that they have, the biggest screen in the main 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 area on the, on the first floor. It's huge. I mean, it's 20 by, gosh, I don't even know. I mean, 20 by 20. It's 20 feet high. It's like a movie screen. And that's what the, the, the game was on. Everybody's watching Alabama. Uh, looks like everybody in the country is watching the Alabama game, by the way, by the TV ratings, which we'll get you in our headlines coming up. But uh, – so everybody's running. And they, in the front rows, two rows, they've got like these uh, cushy recliner seats. Yeah. Where they call it the luxury box, where you can sit up there and reserve that if you want to watch a big game. And there were several people that, uh, you know, this was New Year's Day coming off of New Year's Eve. Oh, man. Who cr- crawled, all night. crawled into those seats and they were snoozing, man. It was funny. <laughs> <laughs> they were out cold. And they did not intend to fall asleep. No. They, they, they like, I'm going to sit and watch this game. But it was too comfortable. You can't be too comfortable like that after you pull it all nighter. Yeah. You, you well, you're that? up late and then you oh, come man. back and you're, you're – you're tra- the one thing about that game kicking mm-hmm. at 745, you kind of had to contain your you – Oh, know. yeah. You got you to really try to be disciplined. In your um, your consumption, yes, right throughout the day, you had all day. You or you just pull up in that easy chair and take a nap. That would help. Yeah, a lot of people did, which was kind of cool. And we had one texter who said that uh, that time difference was an issue. That Washington's body clock was online. Longhorns eight o'clock at night. Now that wasn't the part of the game. Uh, You're yeah. going down the list here. I mean, they going did down that. the list here. Al- yeah, I don't know about that. Yeah, I mean Texas that prime time versus Alabama it was all good. Had to travel on the road. They they, they played they played an off game. Uh, they played a C game, as, and, and part of that was playing against a great team. Yeah, and, uh, and a C, you can play playing a B game against a, t, uh, a good team that plays an A game, and you're going to look like you're playing a C game. Yeah, and their best players, guys, we said this over there, their best players played some of their best games. Like, that they've played of their career. I mean, Michael Penix played one of the best games of his career on the biggest stage, in the biggest game of the season. That's called clutch. Braylon Trice is their best defensive player. There's an argument that he had his best game of the season versus Texas. Well, look, That's clutch. Same thing with Romeo Doomsday. So when your best players have their best games in the biggest games, yep. guys. That's well, the last time they had a game like that, especially offensively, was against Oregon midseason when yeah, college game day was big there. Big games. That's why you don't write them off against Michigan. I know a lot of people think Michigan's going to overpower them with their run game. But, man, that quarterback, yeah. those receivers. When, what did I say? When you have that advantage, guys, and I, I don't know if Kane was a better coach than Jim Harbaugh, so I'm not going to say they have that advantage because Jim Harbaugh's a hell of a coach. But when you have the quarterback advantage, uh, nothing, just nothing's off the table. It's the great equalizer. Anything is possible when you have the best, when you have the better quarterback. Yeah, we got that dude. <laughs> we got that dude, and they believe it. They do believe they that. They play like they believe. Like now, he'll, we just got to keep him in it. Yeah, he'll find well, they won twenty-one in a row. I've said this. Their last loss was October eighth of last year. They've won twenty in a. I mean, they're fourteen and zero this year, but they they finished last year on a seven game stretch. Beat Texas twice in that stretch. Seven game heater, yeah. <laughs> beat Texas. It's hard to beat the team twice. Beat Oregon twice in that stretch. Beat good teams twice in that stretch. You know, e that's hard to do. Yeah, and, and you gave the stat earlier. I did not know this. Braylon Trice never leaves the field. He's played more snaps than any player. Any defensive lineman in the country. God. 
How, and he's and, led the country in pressures without leaving the field. Guys, you imagine what kind of shape this dude's in? The fanatical effort it takes to do that? That's, it's just phenomenal. And by the way, since they're an underdog, they're, Washington, Kalen DeBoer is 5-0 and straight up and against the spread as an underdog. He is, how about this? Overall, Kalen DeBoer is 6-1 and straight up as an underdog at Washington and Fresno State as a head coach. At the uh, G5 and Power 5 level, that is the best underdog win percentage for a coach in the last 30 years. Yeah, well, I he's mean. A, he's, a, he's really good as a dog. And don't doubt the dogs. They I got that dog. That. Yeah, they got some dogs. And it was dogs. so funny because being at Manning's and then all over New Orleans, uh, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, uh, both com- both fan bases were so confident. That they was were. the thing. Texas fan bases. And it reminded you of the Oklahoma game. And this game played out a lot like the Oklahoma game. Um, you know. 60-year left-handed starting quarterback who shreds you, but you are still in the game. You actually took the lead in the Oklahoma game at the end and then couldn't hold it. This one, they had a chance to steal it back from Washington. Um, but, you know, both fan bases uh, really confident going into the game. Because why wouldn't you? I mean, if you're Washington, you haven't lost a game in 20 games. 20 games. You expect to win. Yeah. You're Texas. You felt good about the matchup. But, you know, the one thing I will say for fans who were disappointed and like, man, how, what happened to our secondary? What happened to – why couldn't we get pass rush? I mean, gosh, hopefully you were listening to this show for the I last month. Say, what happened? <laughs> yeah, we, we told you. You're playing the number one passing <laughs> offense with the Joe Moore Award-winning offensive line. Do you, before we get to the headlines and hear this other Dan Campbell piece of audio, was there any part of you as the football theorist, Rod, that was frustrated that they didn't do anything like different defensively or they just tried to – you know, do their thing and just do it better? Uh, could they, was there, but to, to the point of, was there anything they could have done differently? I don't think so. Yeah. I really do. I mean, I, they, with they, the personnel available, they try, listen, like I said, I saw them blitzing. I saw them blitzing on multiple, on the first 77 the, yard deep ball, they blitzed. That was early on in the game. They, they got blitzed. burned. They got burned. They, they brought six. They had seven in to block your six. Great call. They only had three wide yeah, receivers. They, they called it. They, they anticipated your blitz yeah. or. I know they they and yeah, you know they, it was a max protect and uh, yeah, but you've given the numbers Michael Penix against the blitz I mean he's he's fantastic elite you don't, want, you don't want to blitz him too much and they they brought second level pressure from the linebackers in the interior they brought pressure from the edge they brought yeah, they brought safety blitzes I haven't seen them do that in a while they brought Taff I saw Taff and Jaron Thompson coming they were trying to get there they had they played single high they played two high they played you know zone they played man the corners played bump and run they played snug they played bail they played up they just could not cover. Washington, and mostly it's because they couldn't pressure Penix enough. They just couldn't. And even when they did pressure him, I mean, Sark said it, we pressured him. He escaped. Yeah. Every time we would pressure him, but, you know, Ethan Burke was untouched, and I'm sure Ethan Burke was licking his chops. He, he had a he had a beeline right on yeah, Michael on the Penix. Yeah, on the tip drill touchdown. The tip drill touchdown. He was untouched, and Michael Penix just, just a sa- as a savvy veteran stepped up in the pocket, just a couple of very discreet steps, avoided the rush, and deliver the ball on the money. And, I mean. And by the way, he called that protection. It's almost like he knew he was going to be unblocked. Yeah. He's like, that's my guy. I, I, I look out for him. I yeah, got him. I got him. Don't worry about it. I got him. That's impressive. <laughs> that, that, and that, again, again, and Texas fans, I get it. I, I know you folks watch the game from the Texas perspective. This Texas, Manny Muhammad was confused a lot. Well, Manny Muhammad's a freshman playing senior NFL, NFL receivers. receivers. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I mean, that, you About, almost have to expect that. The team that shifts in motions, uh, top five rate in the country, they yeah. move things around constantly. Yeah. They, they, they did that. They did what they were. We, we, that, so, and this they, is why the third quarter was critical, because at least until the halftime, despite the fact that it felt like Washington was in control of the game, the game was tied. Mm-hmm. And we said all, all month, 
leading up to this game. We had a month to over-talk about it. You, it's a heavyweight match. You have to respond. You have to answer. You can't lose three rounds in a row. You're going to lose this fight. And that's what the Texas did when they didn't score at all in the, in the third quarter. Yep. And Washington scored 13 straight points. Point. That was the difference in the game. Uh, and we, we, both, we, we asked the question a couple of times during the month, how many points is it going to take to win this game? We both said 35-plus, mm-hmm. 30, north of 35. I, think I was at 36 or 37, something like that. And my, my, my pregame prediction on the game was 37-34 Texas. I picked the go. Longhorns to win the game. So you picked the score pretty close. Yeah, but I, <laughs> I, mean, I, I felt like you had to be over 35 to win the game, and the Longhorns ended at 31. That, in that third quarter, when you went goose egg, because, again, it was 7-7 after one. It was 14-14 in the second. It was 10-0 and really 13-0 because the, the, the second field goal came on the first or second play, play of the fourth, fourth quarter. quarter. Yeah. You got dominated in that stretch, and that was a ball game. Yeah, you basically lost a quarter of football. Yeah. They played four quarters. You played three. Yeah. And, <laughs> but, again, all the, nothing, nothing from that game should have been surprising if you were paying attention or listening to this show because, no. we, I mean, I gave the stat. You gave the stat about he's only been sacked you know, 18 times in two years. Two years, man. Uh, you don't think the other teams are trying to sack him? I mean, yeah. they're trying to sack him. And, and we <laughs> talked about it wasn't necessarily all the O-line, that people had gotten to him. They were, the pressure was in his face. Yeah. He just finds a way to evade or right, elude the pressure. Yeah, I love when you call it your, your X-Man ability. That's one of his superhero oh, yeah. abilities. Sack avoidance is elite for him. He can throw the ball. There are a lot of guys that can throw it like him, but his ability to slide and slither through the pocket. <laughs> slither, uh, I like that. <laughs> uh, it's, it's Joe Burrow-like to me. He's in he, somewhat Tom Brady. Tom Brady was elite at this for his, his GOAT career. Seem like they're really moving that much. Yeah, it's, like, it's just a slight, discreet movement to the left or to the right. But, but it's almost you know? like a sense. Yes, because they never bring their eyes down. They don't give up on the play. It's not like, oh my gosh, I got to scramble. Yeah, sometimes with with Quinn, it's a great point because Quinn will see the pressure. Yes, he will see. He will look at it. Yep. As a quarterback, you can't see or look at the pressure. That's actually the, the that's the, the hardest part. I think about being a quarterback. You got to feel the pressure. You got to sense the pressure. That's your X man. You fit. You feel and sense it because your eyes have to be. On the, def- on the defense right. downfield. And on well, you mentioned the downfield. Ethan Burke play. I mean, that's what he did. He, his eyes never came down. Spidey he, sense, man. <laughs> and he knew he was coming because he left him unblocked, protected. And yeah. here he came. I just got to slide up in this pocket. You guys are going to give me the push up front. And uh, he threw a dart, and it was a touchdown. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. Uh, this is Dan Marino was also always great at that. That's a good one. Yeah, because he couldn't even move. Yeah, he wasn't he's, even. He's the, the athlete of Michael Penix. Just sliding ever so slightly in the pocket, man. But he's, yeah, I, just, I like I said, I guess, I, I think PK's game plan initially was to try to throw as much stuff at Michael Penix as possible and see what worked. Um, nothing worked. No, they, they, they tried to move pre-snap and post-snap, tried to change the looks, presentation. It, nothing worked. They just they, – they really did. He was in his own, man, and that he was on a heater. <laughs> oh, and that's why if Texas had been able to pull off that comeback, can you imagine how disappointed Michael Penix and Washington would have been? Because it's almost like they let their foot off the gas and they allowed yeah. Texas to come back and – uh, man, somebody texted right on point earlier. They needed 10 miracles. They got nine. Yeah, and that's why I think Sarek should have took it upon himself to say, man, I'm keeping that defense off the field. Yeah. Y'all, y'all ain't, y'all ain't going to see the field because y'all can't handle it. I, I yeah. know y'all can't handle it, so we're going to just run this and damn And you said ball. this right a little bit ago <laughs> that no one could have predicted only five plays in the third quarter versus no. 20-something for Washington. But 
you know, had Sark run the ball more in the second quarter once he knew he could. You you talked and and and, and uh, were gl- were uh, glowing about the the pony package and the two tailback set oh. in which they went down for their second touchdown and just gouged Washington. Gouged they could have run that the entire second quarter. They ran it two two more times the entire game yeah. after running it for one touchdown well, drive. And, and to your point of the second quarter, <laughs> and it's on point by the way. Because, you know, you can make an excuse for Sark in the third quarter they never had the ball. Yep. And in the fourth quarter they were trailing and had to come back. First so, quarter you're still filling each other out. Second quarter was with the time to, to slow that game down yep. and, and uh, almost anticipate the four, third quarter. But You should you know, have done to them in the second quarter what they did to you in the in the third. That's right. You should have right. played keep away and they didn't, they didn't do that. That's right. Hey, uh, we'll play this Dan Quinn. Actually, before we get to the headlines, and they're quick, and then we'll get to behind the burn orange curtain at the bottom of the hour, some off-the-record conversation before the end of the hour. Ty, can we play the other Dan Campbell? Because I want—I know there's folks who are eager to hear Dan Campbell. Because we, we we talked, to, we played his radio interview <laughs> where he was like, "No, ask me, guys." He was getting in the face of the uh, the radio <laughs> he was, guys. He forced them to ask him. No, the ask the question. question. Ask it like you would would normally. Be a man. Ask me the question. <laughs> I love that about that because you can tell that he was maybe listening before and heard them, you know, being real, real, great real, real talkative yeah, about it. Smarmy about it. Then they brought him in and he was like, "Hello, coach. How are you this morning?" <laughs> He's like, no. "Hey, coach. Good to die. Happy New Year." <laughs> <laughs> if I went on a rant earlier, it was reckless, man. Dude, it was reckless. And then when he's on there, hello, coach, how are you this, this That's right. That's right. Yeah. You're right. Can't say I haven't done that before. Can we get to uh, <laughs> the, the other Dan Campbell? Because this is, you know, the, the, the Lions and Cowboys have the same record. They may meet up again in the playoffs. Who knows? Here is uh, Dan Campbell. I've got controlled fury, and uh, I'm ready to go. I am, I'm absolutely ready to go. I don't go the other way. So, and the team won't either. Uh, we're on a mission, and uh, we're not going to uh, we're not going to feel sorry for ourselves and wallow in everything. We had plays to make, we didn't make them, and uh, it's a tight game, a good opponent, playoff type atmosphere, and you got to make that that one extra play that we didn't. And uh, so we will use this as fuel. I got pure octane right now. I woke up, I'm ready. <laughs> so we're moving forward. Pure octane. Hey, I, like I said, I love me some Dan Campbell. He's one of the few coaches. Because usually coaches who are that outgoing and that boisterous talk a lot of trash like that. They aren't necessarily great on-field coaches, right? Most of your coaches are great on-field coaches, the all-time greats. They don't have great coaching rants. They don't. Your all-time great coaches don't have great coaching rants usually. No. Right? They may have a little audio bite, but they don't go on a coaching rant because it's something about being calm, cool, and collected, and you know what I mean? Being disciplined enough to be in control of your emotions, that kind of stuff, and coaches who aren't in control of their emotions, usually that translates on the field. He may be one of the few coaches where he's the exception to that rule, where he, I, I know you would say, well, he's a madman, that's why he goes for it on fourth down all the time, um, but I, I think he's going to end up being a good coach though, in the end. I think he may end up being a good coach. It but feels like it, because he worked with Sean Payton, Yeah, uh, he worked with Bill Parker, Parcells, a Parcells. disciple, and he's got a guy like Ben Johnson, the offensive coordinator, at least for this year, for who's kind of his geeky, you know. Yeah, he's got a nerd. He's, <laughs> nerd, got, a nerd. he's, got, a nerd. he's got a football nerd with football him. He's, nerd. he's not a football nerd, but he's got a football nerd there with yeah. him. Yeah. Hey, let's get to the other headlines, though, top stories as we're talking Texas and Washington, what was and what's to come. Top Gun Rentals and Lawn Equipment bringing you the news, and yeah, in the top stories, it's well, first one of many to come. Longhorns, of course, just a day after their season came to an end with that really tough loss in the CFP semifinal in New Orleans. They have now lost uh, one of their starting players, Xavier Worthy. The speedster announced yesterday on social media that he will be headed to the NFL, considered a first-round selection with the speed and the production, both uh, receiving and on special teams. Worthy becomes the first Texas star to declare. Certainly won't be the last deadline to do so is January 15th. Also yesterday, Georgia's All-American tight end Brock Bowers declared for the NFL draft 
Also, TV ratings in for the semifinal games on New Year's Day and night. Safe to say, pretty big hit with the viewers. The audience in the Michigan-Alabama matchup in the Rose Bowl peaked at nearly 33 million viewers, according to ESPN. That makes it the highest-rated CFP semifinal ever as far as a peak goes. The final grade or the final rating for the granddaddy of them all came in at just north of 27 million viewers. Most viewed semifinal game in a decade, most viewed non-NFL sporting event in five years on ESPN and a top-10 cable telecast of all time. Sugar Bowl between Texas and Washington, not as big, but still did very well. Nearly 20 million total viewers. A peak to 24.5. On hold, the CFP in the semifinal is the most watched in six years. That'll lead to the national championship game now Monday in Houston. Matchup of one versus two. A pair of 14-0 teams. Uh, it's Michigan facing Washington. Good news yesterday from for the Husky side of it. On a radio interview, Washington offense coordinator Ryan Grubb said that their starting running back Dylan Johnson is expected to play Monday night in Houston. Of course, got hurt on that last Washington offensive drive against Texas on Monday night. Uh, NFL now. Official word that the league has fined Carolina Panthers owner Dave Tepper $300,000 for what he they called unacceptable conduct during the team's loss at Jacksonville in Week 17. Uh, video showed the team owner throwing the contents of a cup into the crowd at Jacksonville uh, from his suite before storming off. He's been fined three hundred dollars Horn Headlines brought to you by Top Gun Rentals and Lawn Equipment. A new year and a new store. Come see our new beauty location at 200 Trademark Drive to rent, buy, or repair any construction and lawn equipment you need. TopGun.net. We'll shoot you straight. I don't even owner is throwing. Oh, what are these guys? Remember, this is, remember, this is guy Frank Reich like, couldn't wait to get out of there. Yeah, he's proven Frank Reich. Remember, Frank Reich had that very cryptic uh, press conference where he talked about the meetings, they would, the awkward meetings they would have and he how awkward like and tough balloon. they were. And he's actually telling everybody, hey, man, this guy is this guy's out there. He's wild. He's, it, it's, 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 it's unstable around here. It's dysfunctional. Uh, and yes, and now well, think about that look for the NFL. Ever. An owner 300 from his, G's. Well, yeah. what is it? The let them eat cake. Like an owner from the suite is throwing drinks on fans <laughs> who, gen, who, who the bought com, the ticket. The gin pop, the commoners down there. Yeah, from the suite <laughs> with the window open, and of course the commoners trying to climb in and get a piece of them. <laughs> that's great. You're right. That's not a, the optics. That's not good. It's the bad optics for the for the NFL owners. Yeah, what well, was he dis- was he upset about a play or just the overall no, I performance think they were, I of his think team? They, well, it was in Jacksonville, and I th- it was so they lost twenty six nothing. So you're just upset about so the it's that. But I think team. they were heckling him. I think they were probably turning around and giving him some business. You're a billionaire, yeah, man. Everybody in this country hates billionaires. They just don't like billionaires. It, it ain't personal. Well, think about they this. They don't like though, billionaires for, in this country for some reason. For Dave Tepper, yeah, Taylor Swift. They don't like her now because he's a billionaire. I know. <laughs> uh, on Ty's leading that, tr- yeah, that, exactly. that that charge. Come on. Yeah, I, I did see the pictures of Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift out on New Year's Eve. They were having a good old time, hey. uh, which is fine for them. I will say this, that uh, for Dave Tepper, this is, a, this is a big problem if you're a fan of that organization. He fired Matt Rule, and maybe rightfully. Now within a year he's fired Frank Reich, and now he's doing stuff like this, and Frank Reich's putting out cryptic press conferences. He's got to hire a coach, Rod. He Who does. wants to go work for that dude? I would because he pays well. <laughs> yeah, but you, you got to deal with him. I know. He ain't but, but, to but, pay you. I guess the point being, if you're one of the top candidates and you have maybe options, that's not going to be one of them. No, 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 no. Not if you, not if you have your choice. He'll be able to get an up and comer. Like if you're Ben Johnson to... from Detroit. It's no. like, yeah, no. Or the Ravens defensive coordinator. Is it Mike McDonald? Yeah, the defensive coordinator. Yeah, no. No. I don't want to work for that guy. I'll have other options. Dan Quinn? No, thanks. No, you're right about that. That's uh, No, you're right. But, he, man, he pays well. I know he pays really no, well. He's, he's not. A, I forgot how much he's paying. I'll go find the number. How much he's paying? Yeah, Matt Rule is still now Frank Reich. Yeah, I mean it's. Games, uh, and he'll pay you, but at the same time, then he's going to be metal and be 
you know, lunatic. I mean, that, who wants to work for that guy? But uh, either way, that's where the Panthers are. And remember, they don't have the number one pick now. Them, that loss on Sunday secured the number one pick for Chicago. So the Bears now have the one number one pick. But Justin Fields is playing really good football right now. So there's talk that maybe they're going to – because you can't not – if you're the Bears, you can't not draft the, the transcendent quarterback, right? You can't. Mm-hmm. But Justin Fields is playing pretty good. There's thought they could trade him and maybe get – there's a report that says second and a third round pick for Justin Fields. Someone would who doesn't get the quarterback they want in this draft may come get him. But we'll see. We'll see. Uh, keep yeah, an eye on that. Bears are going to have the one. trade him. I don't know what they're waiting on. Bears are going to have the one pick. But as we watched Michael Penix the other night, you know who's going to have the uh, – I mean, draft order right now is pretty much set as far as that goes and because we're going to the wire here for the playoffs. Yeah, you're right. It's done. Uh, but New England's drafting a quarterback, right? They'll draft one of these guys. New England's, where are they drafting, though? Where's New England uh, They're third. Okay. So, they're, ooh, that's it's Chicago, that's territory. It's Chicago, Washington, New England, Arizona. And Jonathan Gannon was on a radio interview this week and was asked, is, is Kyler Murray your quarterback of the future? And he said yes. He, I got to tell you, he, he made a play against the Eagles that was spectacular. Giants have the fifth pick. You got to think they're thinking quarterback with Daniel Jones because they're not going Tony DeVito. Well, this is – yeah. No, you're right. This is the, this is the draft for it, though. I mean, you're going to have – the, the, only, the only team in the top six that's not looking for a quarterback at all is the L.A. Chargers. Yeah, are and, the LA Chargers. And they're going to be drafting one of them wide receivers. There'll be like three wide receivers taking the top ten. There'll be like four quarterbacks taking the top ten. Well, they took Quentin Johnson last year. Can they take – Yeah, because Quentin Johnson's a bust. It, they don't like him. I know. He, he might... hasn't been great. He's been – drops a lot of passes and, and reportedly in practice. He's not a great practice player. They 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 made a dang coaching mistake on that one. Uh, it ain't working out Out of him. Temple, Texas. Yes, yeah, Chicago, they're on – if, if Caleb Williams is Caleb Williams, you got to take him. I mean, you just can't pass on that player. No, no. But, uh, you know, if you're – like I said, I, I think there will be four quarterbacks taken in the top 10 to 11 picks. And I Bo Nix are Washington right is taking a quarterback. Actually, it might, might be five because Jaden Daniels going to get taken pretty high. Your quarterback's going to be Drake May, people, Caleb Williams, Michael Penix, Bo Nix, Jaden Daniels. Who am I missing in the top five? That's, is that the top five? I think you're right. Uh, now, it looks like – Somewhere in that order? It looks like the Washington State quarterback, Cam Ward, is not going to transfer, but he's going draft. Yeah, I didn't understand. He must be getting told. Someone must be telling him he's going to get drafted pretty yeah. high. He's got to be getting some advice. In a deep quarterback draft like this, too. Yeah. So, I mean, look, I mean, let's run through him. Chicago's going quarterback, and they'll probably trade Justin Fields for more yep. assets. So they're, Drake May or Caleb Williams. I remember, they they got a pretty good haul in the in the trade for the number one pick last year. So yeah. the Bears can take a big leap forward. That's maybe why that's an appealing job to one Jim Harbaugh. Mm-hmm. Uh, draft right. draft he, your quarterback. Hired that, uh, didn't he hire Zidane? What did he hire? He just hired a new agent. Ooh. Harbaugh did. Yeah, he hired an NFL. That guy's got NFL ties. I'll, I'll find that story for you. So Chicago one going QB. Washington two going quarterback. Yep. Uh, either Drake May, Michael Penix, and then New England's going quarterback. Top three going quarterback. Yep, you're right. Four Arizona not. Five New York Giants quarterback. Unless yeah, they're not believing right. Daniel Jones, are they? So top five. You got, you got to, I'm just saying you got to have four quarterbacks in the top five picks. Then. So Cardinals, Chargers, not. Tennessee, are they sold enough on Will Levis? Probably so. Yeah, I guess for now you got to. New York Jets, eight. Do you stick with Aaron Rodgers? They, need, they, they might even think about drafting a quarterback. Nine Atlanta, ten Bears. Atlanta needs a quarterback. Jaden Daniels would be nasty in that system. Ten, ten Bears. The bear, the bears, bears, have, bears have one and ten. That is that's that's gonna be great for them. Yeah, Harbaugh might jump on that. Because uh, yeah, you get your quarterback, and then you can draft like a, a defensive piece, or you can draft another wide receiver. They'll have well, and if, wide if this many quarterbacks go early, really good position players are gonna slide. 
I mean, he potentially could get, yeah, the quarterback of the future and then get his quarterback like a – a, a, a great wide receiver. Well, this team. is seen as a, a great wide receiver class, which they all are now because, yeah. as you said, it's the deepest position in football. But with Marvin Harrison and Roma Dunze and oh, uh, Malik, the, Malik Neighbors at LSU, yeah. uh, there's many as uh, Daniel Jeremiah has said there's many as 10 guys he's graded as top 50 prospects at receiver. Left tackle. That's going to hurt Xavier Worthy because he might he might have been a first-round wide receiver, but I don't know in this draft if he is. Yeah, left tackle also seen as good. So if you're Jim Harbaugh, you get quarterback at one, left tackle at ten, and That's way to go. you can trade Justin Fields for pieces, uh, further draft capital. Yep, you're right about that. I, I think that may happen. Um, oh, yeah, Don Yee has been hired by Jim Harbaugh, uh, according to Adam Schefter. And, you know, Don Yee's famous for having lots of NFL ties, lots of NFL clients. Uh, Tom Brady, I think, is one of his clients, that kind of stuff. So. All right, there you go. Keep an eye on that. Of course, Washington, Michigan has a date with Washington on Monday night for the national championship. Uh, I, I think you could see Jim Harbaugh, you know, back at his alma mater winning a national championship and saying, okay, did my job here. Leave on top. I'm right. tired of this NCAA racket. Yeah, right, into the, right off into the sunset and, and, on top. And look, I mean, yeah. I, just like we talked about with, with, uh, with Carolina, I mean, it, just taking an NFL job to take one doesn't, isn't always the best way. You're going to get paid. But, you know, in a place like Chicago where they're desperate and they'll kind of give you the control. They will. And you have the first pick and you have the 10th pick and you have a nice piece of, at quarterback who you can use for further capital. And remember, they didn't just get the 10th pick from Carolina last year. They got D.J. Moore. They got other draft capital they're in that trade. Talent. They got some talent there. And, and they've got to rebuild the defense, which, yeah. you know, if you're Jim Harbaugh, you're, you can do that and mm-hmm. rebuild the run game. Uh, Roshan Johnson. Roshan Johnson there Joe's in there. Chicago. Yeah, Deontay man. Foreman. All right, so we'll keep an eye on that. That's a good NFL because this is the time of the year now with the Longhorn season coming in. We'll continue to recap what went on Monday night. Yeah, we'll dive into the NFL, though. But, man, the NFL, what's to come? The Longhorns with Xavier Worthy. Uh, Rod has asked the question, where does Xavier Worthy rank as an all-time receiver at Texas? Uh, certainly top five. Numbers, you can't even argue with them. Uh, but top three, Rod? I think he's got a good case. Well, I'll, we'll make that case, but I think he's got a really good case to be top three behind yeah. Jordan Shipley, the GOAT, and Roy Williams. Yeah, I think he's right in there. Uh, a freshman All-American, you know, sophomore injury, but a bit of a slump. But, man, had a great year this year in this Texas offense that played for a national championship. All right, we'll come back. Uh, Rod, pick this up, too, because somebody asked, uh, Rod, what have you seen of why our passing game was so limited up until they were trailing by 13 points? Okay. Uh, no, we'll get into that because, yeah, you, got, you get into the second half there when they only had three, four, you know, five four, third-quarter plays. Gosh, I mean, A.D. Mitchell, Xavier Worthy, J.T. Sanders have all done almost nothing uh, in, the, in the game to that point. What did Washington do or what didn't Texas do? We'll talk about that coming up. Plus, Rod will take us further behind the BOC off the record before the end of the hour. Happy New Year, everybody. At the Turn is presented by Callahan's General Store, helping to keep your yard in golf course condition year-round for 45 years. It's always a good day to make it a Callahan's Day. Certainly is, and here in the month of January, winterizing your yard is uh, always a critical thing. Also, getting ahead of the the freezes that are certain to come here, January into February. We've told you over at Callahan's, get in there and get your uh, your spigot drips and your uh, pipe covers, everything you need. They've got it for you in in uh, in full stock right now. As I say, don't wait until the freeze is on top of us and you run out there and they're all out of everything that you need and you're trying to do that mad dash, do it now. Uh, take your time to get over to Callahan's. Talk to the great people. They'll show you how to do it right, do it properly. Get your uh, your three Ps taken care of, your pets, which you can get all their pet food and everything you need there. Um, you know, obviously the pipes and the uh, plants, all there at Callahan's General Store. Also, Rod, coming up here 
this week. And uh, if we don't do it this week, we'll certainly do it into early next week, announcing our golf course of the month for the month of January. Uh, we're going to have a, a spotlight course every single month. We had Gray Rock out there in South Austin this past uh, past month. Here in January, we'll have another great one, which we're excited to tell you about uh, coming up. Looking forward to getting out there and uh, playing some holes. Haven't been able to get out there yet. That's why we haven't announced it because of, we had the weather. And then uh, Omar Uresti was out of town for a few weeks and trying to qualify for that senior tour. Uh, which he came up just shy on, gosh dang it. Uh, but we'll get back out there and make that happen. By the way, the uh, the actual golf season does get going this weekend. Kapalua, Rod. Kapalua. Nice. You know, they start in golf with the Hawaiian swing. This is why it's good to – it's really hard to make the PGA Tour. It's really difficult. Mm-hmm. But once you do, you get to start the new year in Kapalua, then Honolulu. And so they do the two tournaments in, in Hawaii. Hawaii. Then you come back to uh, the, nice. the, the uh, California swing up through La Quinta, California with the, uh, um, you know, the American Express Championship. Then they're to La Jolla with the, uh, at Torrey Pines with the Farmers Insurance Open all through January. So we'll keep you posted here on At The Turn. We'll also get you and let you know what the course of the month is going to be here in January and uh, t- tell you all about it. You'll, what the course of the month is all about, learning the history about these uh, great golf courses in Central Texas that you're already playing or maybe trying to become a member of, whatever it may be. Um, we had Gray Rock, a Muni, which was great last month, and now we'll, we'll switch gears here into January. So uh, at the turn is where you'll keep up with all golf throughout the season here on, um, you know, hook them up with Ian Rodby. It's brought to you by Callahan's General Store. Always a good day to make it a Callahan's day. At the Turn is presented by Callahan's General Store, helping to keep your yard in golf course condition year-round for 45 years. It's always a good day to make it a Callahan's day. And they were all asking themselves the same question. What is behind that curtain? All right, let's talk uh, about Xavier Worthy really quick, and then we'll get to uh, Texas passing game versus Washington. Uh, kind of what went wrong and uh, what what Texas could have done a little bit better to be more effective in the passing game versus Washington. Um, probably won the ball more. Probably would have helped the passing game be more effective. But I digress. Getting back to it, Xavier Worthy did announce that he is heading to the NFL. Uh, I think he's number three all time. If you look at the hierarchy of the, the greatest Texas receivers in Texas football history. Here's his case. He's um, fifth all time in receiving yards in a career. Uh, he has two spots in the top ten in single-season uh, touchdown uh, uh, campaigns. He's second and ninth uh, on that list. He is third all-time in touchdowns in a uh, receiving touchdowns in a career. Sixth in receptions in a career. Uh, seventh uh, ranked in uh, a single-season uh, reception campaign. So he's got the seventh best season there. So he's. I mean and. Last year actually was a down year for him. So he actually really had only had two good years. Last year was a bit of a down year for him. Probably could have been much higher uh, in some of these statistical categories. And, of course, if he had stayed longer, he'd have probably been number one in, in all these categories potentially. Uh, and I think the added value of him being a, a great punt returner, an elite punt returner, also helps you in terms of the – um, him being a fan favorite. Longhorn fans remember something exciting happening a lot when – Xavier Worthy touched the ball, whether it be the deep balls that he caught or whether it be the punt returns. He caught a lot of touchdowns, which I like for my wide receivers. So I would say he's definitely top five. My argument would be third best receiver uh, all time behind Jordan Shipley, who I think is to go, and Roy Williams. If you want to put Roy Williams ahead of Jordan Shipley, you could do that. But like I said, my argument against Roy Williams, who I played with, by the way, my former teammate, so I love the guy, uh, was that he never caught a touchdown in the Texas OU game. 
can't call you the GOAT of wide receivers if you don't call a touchdown in the Texas OU game. So I'll give that to Jordan Shipley. I think Roy is second. Uh, but I think Xavier Worthy's, you know, he's right there in that category. Um, in terms of – I had somebody ask me, out of all those great wide receivers, which one would have been the toughest to cover? For me, I'm going to say Jordan Shipley would probably be I was going to ask you that cover. same question right there. Yeah, right? I think, I think Jordan, Jordan Shipley – honestly, and this is why. It's, honestly, it's, it's, it's about Jordan Shipley. I mean, his route running was just superb. He was an elite route runner, elite. And his deceleration acceleration was excellent out of his breaks. And he was a physical wide receiver. Oftentimes, you know, uh, playing bump and run coverage, I could press a receiver and I could throw them off of their route, redirect them. Um, I don't know if I'd be able to do that. He, uh, Jordan Shipley was a lot stronger than people gave him credit for, like strong route runner. Just a great athlete, too. I mean, coming out of Burnett and oh, you know, three hands. sports. Oh, man. Really good athlete. But, uh, but what I could not son of a coach, obviously. Yeah, exactly. And I love me some Bob Shipley, by the way. I think I got some Bob, I got some Shipley merch coming, actually, nice. uh, for Bob Shipley, uh, who I do work with on, on Texas football. He's fantastic. Do football theory with him. Go check that out. It's our YouTube channel. But anyway, um, I think this is why it would have been tougher to defend um, uh, Jordan Shipley out of all the top wide receivers, the X-Man or Roy Williams. It's the chemistry with Colt that I could not defend. That's, that's true. That's the, this, the chemistry and the accuracy. I'm, I think about that when I'm defending wide I'm like, well, who's throwing the football? Listen, I love, I love Quinn. Quinn's great. I, 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 been, I think I would have been able to defend X-Man because X-Man is most, mostly speed, and I just got to be able to reroute uh, X-Man. And one of the things X-Man doesn't do really well is play through contact a lot of the times. That's why even the Jabbar Muhammad, he's a physical player for Washington at the corner. I, 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 I think I'd have, had, I'd have won my fair share against him. I won my fair share against Roy. Uh, so I know how to cover Roy Williams. And like I said, it, Chris Sims throwing him the football, that's legit. But I know how Chris throws football. He want, Chris wants to throw the football through you. Not a lot of touch. Throws it hard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I know angles to the football-wise, he ain't going to put a touch, like, touch right over my head. He's going to try to put it through me, through that window, that really tight window. So I, I think I'll, I'll be better defending that as well. Uh, what I can defend is Cole McCoy's touch and accuracy and the chemistry and the bromance with him and Jordan Shipley. Dude, they're running option routes out there. They're going to they just run to he, you know what I mean? I don't know if I remember <laughs> that, that it was beat to death. They were friends, right, Jordan and Cole? <laughs> <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, I, you can't defend that as a DB. That's, that's the hardest thing to defend is chemistry. So I think that's why it would have been a tough part, with that, I think that dovetails back to the Washington game with Michael Penix. He's got that chemistry, and he's that with, good of a thrower. Great point. With all three of them guys. All three of those guys. Uh, that's a great point. So, yeah, for that, that's in terms of I had somebody ask me the question. I'll throw that out that's there. That's good. I was going to actually ask you that anyhow. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I'll say this about X-Man, too. Uh, one thing I admire about X-Man, though, he is small, small-ish, and you're going to hear this during scouting season. They're going to be knocking him because they're going to be like, he's small, he's small, he's small. But he's physical for a small little dude. He is. Right? He, he, he's not, to him. Yes, he's not afraid of contact and not afraid of the physical play. I don't think Sark will recruit a, a – Sark likes speed demons. He likes slight-ish, small-ish receivers who can run. He's got another one coming in this class who's kind of a – remember that last receiver they committed? He's kind of an uh, X-Man starter kit. Like Xavier Worthy started to get the one out of California. I forget his name. Uh, Aaron Butler. Head. Yeah, he's got a lot, he's got a little bit of that in him. Sark likes speed. He's bringing in Matthew Golden. Matthew Golden's got some of that smallish speed demon, but he's a little bit more stout. I will say this about Sark and his um, his affection for these types of, re of receivers, um, and he he likes them and he knows how to utilize them. Most coaches in the NFL they actually steer clear of these types of smallish fast receivers. 
um, because they don't think they can play through contact. I think the NFL is too physical for them. Once they get to a press man league like the NFL, that's physical, that's small receivers like Xavier, they'll end up getting hurt or they won't be able to get open downfield. And for years, actually, NFL's coaches believe this, and this was you know, part of their data evaluation and receivers like Xavier Worthy, they would drop in the draft. I'll give Sark credit, and Sark can do it intentionally, but Sark has actually changed wide receiver evaluation at the NFL level, and I, I, I got proof of it. So uh, they have what they call body mass index, for those who don't know. And I'm not saying I, I swear by body mass index. I can give a damn about it. It's just a, a reference. It's a, uh, a quantitative way to measure, uh, you know, body fat and height and weight. And it's basically a measurement of those, the combination of those things, right? And they call it body mass index. So if you look at a body mass index, so we're basically trying to see how slight a guy like Xavier Worthy is. He's 6'1", 172. Uh, his body mass index is around 22.7. If you look at wide receivers with bl- below average body mass index and, and the average for these wide receivers, let's put it at 25. So we're looking at wide receivers with below a 25 body mass index. To give you a little bit of perspective on that, Zay Flowers was drafted right in the first round. He's at 26, and he's a smaller receiver. But he's stout. He's Quick thick. as heck. He's thick, though, right? He's thick. He's at 26 body mass index. Uh, X-Man's at 22.7. Devontae Smith's at 23. Yeah, that's the comp I get with him. These are smallest guys, right? They're smallest well, guys. Because remember, Devontae Smith came back for his senior yeah. year and won the Heisman. Jo- Jordan Addison, you've seen him. He's slightish, right? Jordan Addison, his body mass is at 24.1. These are slight-ish guys, small-ish Hollywood guys. Brown kind of comes to mind. Yes, that's exactly right. These types of guys. The NFL would shy away from those receivers because they didn't think they were physical enough and they didn't think they were big enough. Um, and I'll give you a stat. So uh, there, been, there were 24 wide receivers drafted in the first two rounds, all right, with a 25 BMI or less since 2000. All right, so since 2000, 24 wide receivers drafted in the first two rounds with a 25 BMI or less. Since 2000, how about this? There have been nine of them drafted since Devontae Smith was taken in the top ten. Changed the narrative. Sark did. Won the game. Sark, and if it won the Heisman, right? Won the Heisman, drafted in the top ten. Probably well, I, the highest, I, I look highest draft pick of those receivers who are small-ish and slight-ish. And what Sark did was provide a blueprint on how to use them. And now we have NFL offenses who are trickling up to the NFL. There's no such thing as a pro-style offense anymore in a college offense. They're essentially running the same schemes and concepts, and now you can take Sark's blueprint for a small-ish, slight receiver and go, hey, we can do that. And who does that as much, uh, more than the, uh, the Philadelphia Eagles? They essentially run what a lot of people thought, would describe as college concepts, well, RPOs, uh, a lot of targets to motion, uh, obviously the quarterback run game being a bigger part of that. So I think Sark not only – Unintentionally, I think he shifted the narrative about these types of receivers because he provided a blueprint how to use them. Well, and let's also say in this day and age, you can't headhunt receivers, right? You can't, you can't, you can't take them out. Yep. Uh, so they do. They can't last longer. I think would be the way to put it. They're more durable. And look, I would say this for 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 X Man. You know, Devonte Smith came back for a senior year at Alabama and ended up winning the Heisman Trophy. I do think if X Man were coming back for a senior year, he'd be. That kind of player. I don't know if he'd win the Heisman, but he's going to be Quinn Ewer's favorite target. He's going to be a guy who's going to rack up big numbers. He's going to return some punts. So he'd be in that conversation. So I do think the the comp for me is somewhere in the NFL, Rob, between Devontae Smith and Marquise Hollywood Brown. Mm-hmm. Remember the kid out of Oklahoma? Yeah, it's not bad. That, that, that's where I see him. Now, will he reach the level of Devontae Smith, or is he going to be closer to Hollywood Brown, who's really just a just a deep threat uh, that never has developed into a full-time, all-around receiver in the NFL uh, Devontae Smith has. 
Now he's got AJ Brown to help him too. There, that's I think that's why I think, they complement each other well. I think a lot of your success in NFL is built on built on the system. It's based on the system. Yeah, who's throwing you the ball? Hollywood Brown ended up with who? We ended up with the Lamar Ravens, Jackson. The Ravens, who by the way, it ain't Lamar. Lamar Jackson can throw the football. We see that now. But the Ravens didn't want to spread the ball out. Yeah. they didn't want Robert. They wanted tight ends. Yeah, and it was, it was the Ravens without this offense. Yes, if he was in this offense, he would actually be doing pretty good. They were running an antiquated offense, but they wanted to maximize Lamar Jackson. He won the he won the MVP running that offense. So I'm not knocking it, but it wasn't good for necessarily a wide receiver in that offense. And then he went to Arizona, and the culture in Arizona was just toxic. So I don't know if anything grows. In, in yeah, and there. I'd say this for you know, if you get a career like Hollywood Brown, he's a good player. No, he's a good player, but my point is, it, it just just like your comp for him about for Xavier Worthy, I think it's about the system they go in. What system did Devontae Smith in? He ended up in a really a decent system, right? He had uh, it was a good offensive coach there. Even after Doug Peterson, you had uh, you know Shane Steichen coming in there with uh, with Sirianni, and they ran a really uh, I would say it's a wide receiver friendly system. It's compatible sure. wide receiver. Well, especially after the trade with AJ Brown, and you brought yeah. a complimentary player. Yeah. And their run game is so good, and they know how to use him. Well, I think. For X-Man, this deep receiver class could help him because he's going to get drafted probably lower in the first round and go to a team that's got good players. Or pushed into the second round and the team could trade up for him. Yeah, like yeah. Like Kansas City or somebody yes. like that that needs him. Um, uh, I agree with that. Um, it was one little stat just to continue, just to uh, put a bow on it. 24, 24 wide receivers drafted in the first two rounds with 25 body mass index or less. I just pointed out Devontae Smith's at 23, X-Man's at 22.7. Uh, so this is since 2000, and 10 of them, all right, 10 of those uh, receivers have come in, uh, in the last three years. That's since Devontae Smith basically was taken really high in the draft. So almost half of the wide receivers in, in the last 23 years who have uh, been drafted in the first two rounds with a 25 or less BMI have happened in the last three years. That is, I think, short, start kind of shifting the narrative a little bit with those guys. Eight of those, uh, talking about, you're talking about uh, eight in the previous 16 years. All right, uh, you started talking about that. Well, sorry, 14 now in the previous 16 years, but 10 of those in the last three years. Um, I think that's a big part of that is Sark. Now, the key is, going back to only 2,000-yard seasons out of all those receivers. So they, they, don't, they don't get a well, lot that's of That's the thing. I don't know the productivity. Uh, yeah, I, look, and this is why I think the, uh, what, what Sark had vision for X-Man and A.D. Mitchell, right? A.D. Mitchell became kind of the go-to guy in the red zone. Uh, I mean, X-Man was the explosion player, right? He was going to create big plays um, and punt returns, uh, much like we see Devontae Smith. But when you need a first down or you need something big, you're probably going to A.D. Mitchell. Yep. I, I still think the NFL favors the bigger-bodied guys, but the, you like those guys as the complement, the guys that take the top off of defense, the Brandon Cooks kind of guys. That's that exactly right. You're going to use them. They're going to make a defense worry about them, but you're yeah. probably going to have a C.D. Lamb, too. Now you're probably going to have a, um, you know, what do you, what do you call Brandon Ayuk? Brandon Ayuk's a bigger guy in San Francisco, but he's the man-beater. Mm-hmm. Right, the man beater. So exactly you're right. going to double up on Debo. You got to watch on Kittle. What do you do with McCaffrey? And then it's Brandon Ayuk getting single covered all the time. That could be X Man if you put him in the right offense. Totally agree. And he's going to beat man coverage quite a bit. Yeah. So those guys, like I said, there may be something to it, some substance that they don't produce at the NFL level you want to. But I think ultimately that's because NFL coaches are behind the times a little bit. Uh, some of these newer coaches who are uh, using these receivers in the right way, using that Sark blueprint uh, to weaponize them, I think you'll start to see more of those guys like Devontae Smith. They'll now like a Zay Flowers potentially in the right system. Hell, I think even you know Tank Dale was a third-round receiver, but he's in that category too. That's a good one. Tank, Tank Dale, Dale. Like, he was a third-round. 
around, but he's right there. He's a great player. And he got hurt, though. And elite <laughs> quickness. Elite quickness was, I think, what X Man will yeah. have when he gets to the combine. Yep. I'll say this real quick, and then we'll get to the off the record topics, things you need to know. Probably have missed these stories, but uh, you'll be talking about them here in the month of January. Uh, but, Rod, the, um, the replacements for Xavier Worthy, probably A.D. Mitchell, too, right? It's a, D, it's a position of depth for Texas, but it's young and inexperienced, right? It's Jonte Cook, DeAndre Moore, mm-hmm. Ryan Wingo's coming in as a five star freshman. You mentioned Aaron Butler, Matthew Golden. Uh, Sark's still going to throw the football, uh, and and Quinn Ewers is going to be a third year starting quarterback. They'll have weapons, but you know you have to replace that. And the production for he and Ad Mitchell, and probably J T Sanders, is is pretty heavy, <laughs> pretty heavy yeah. for sure. Can't recruit five star quarterbacks if you just go hand the football off. But I think we saw here <laughs> late in the year. I, I mean, I think the the game on Monday night, the Longhorns really missed Jonathan Brooks for the first time uh, up against a really good team. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, Jaden Blue showed you the good in the bag, right? He flashed again. He had some big plays. He had that unbelievable catch on the final drive. Um, and, but he also dropped one, and he fumbled the ball. Uh, but that's a talented room there, uh, running back. C.J. Baxter, Jonathan Brooks will come back, Jaden Blue. So you're talking about the replacing production of a guy like X-Man who's off to the NFL and probably a couple of his buddies. Um, could be a, a, a more running back heavy type of offense next year as you bring along the receivers. Hey. Maybe he'll run more of the pony package. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. maybe, maybe Are you listening to to run more of the pony package? Three years of me yelling about it. Maybe finally we'll see Well, because, look, I mean, whoever it is, Jonte Cook, Devon, I mean, Matthew Golden will be the most experienced player in their running receiver room mm-hmm. as far as catches, production. Yep. Uh, and so you may have to lean on that running back room and a, a really veteran offensive line and a veteran quarterback That's next year. That's more important than that offensive line. Good right. stuff. We come back off the record time on Hook Em Up with Ian Rod B. Some stories you need, including, did you know what the, a lot of people, Ty's doing the dry January. Oh, good for you, Ty. Uh, we'll tell you about that, but also I'm blaming Ty because my son got sick at, in, in New Orleans, oh. and it's Ty's fault, 100% Ty's fault. <laughs> we'll be back. Ty. Hook him up with Ian Rodby. DD Mega Doodoo. I'm sorry, Mangudu. Once it's turned on, the sign will spell out Deli Cat Essen. Well, well, I don't get a brain bag comb. Well, congratulations. Continue good sex in, the, good sex in the Big East. Thank you, Jimmy. And boom goes the dynamite. It's time for another edition of Off the Record. Do it live. I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live. And thing sucks. It is Off the Record time. Yes, I am uh, personally holding Ty Henderson, my producer, our producer, accountable. Come on, Ty. My son uh, is 22. He and a buddy, boy, his buddy, who uh, went with us, my wife and I, and, he, and you know, we, we, had a, we had a group of four in the car yesterday, there and back. And um, his buddy he was a GA at Texas uh, for a little while, which is pretty cool. It's good to talk to him, talk football with uh, um, with him. And, and so, but so they went out on Saturday night when we got there, Rod. Mm-hmm. You know, we we did our thing, went to the casino for a little bit, watched the Cowboys game. That was kind of our goal was to go over and watch the casino. Go to go. Wes Murray, my buddy from Grande Equipment, and we gathered with those guys and watched the game. Uh, they went out and um, apparently went to Pat O'Brien's, and apparently Ty bought my son a hurricane. He never had a hurricane before. I think he was my, – my, my son doesn't drink a ton. Yeah. He does go to the square in, New Mar- in San Marcos quite a bit, but uh, doesn't doesn't uh, imbibe too often, unlike Ty. But so that I, but he didn't know that. Hey, Ty, how many how many liquors and alcohols are in a hurricane? Like four or five. I don't know. I don't know. It's a lot, right? It's like just a concoction of yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. And Pat O'Brien's that's what they're famous for there. Right, and they're strong. Yes. Oh, they're strong. Well, he didn't know this. I'm holding you accountable for the fact that he was quite hungover and pretty much hung out in the hotel. All day, all day Sunday. 
<laughs> and guess what? He didn't drink the rest of the trip. He didn't have a, a sip of alcohol the rest of the It does claim that um, hurricanes are just rum. Just rum. That's what he says here. Well, I have to tell him that. I don't think he ever had rum. But uh, And, Ty, you said you weren't feeling too hot on on Sunday either. Uh, Yeah. I mean, I we so – I, I, I honestly, I, I don't really remember exactly what happened after Pat O'Brien's because, like you said, we had been out since probably noon that day. Um, but I, we went, my, one of my friends and his girlfriend had got reservations for four of us to go to a nice dinner, a uh, little somewhere in the French Quarter. And uh, we didn't make it past appetizers before I broke my uh, espresso martini glass and fell out of my chair twice. So was home by t- 1030 that night. You fell out of your chair twice. Uh, I was having a good. Movie. I was having a good time. There were some Washington fans next to me. We were chatting, and I guess I just leaned in a little too hard to their <laughs> table, and I fell into one of the guys' laps, pretty much. <laughs> oh man, that's that's great. But that's probably the craziest thing that had, after that I was like, all right, you know, probably need to probably need to take it easy the rest of the week. Like I said, I didn't even drink on the, at the game. That, now that is go. wild that you didn't drink at the game. I'm shocked. Well, also those one. beers were twenty four dollars, I think. So yeah, you got to consider the budget. Yeah, well, and somebody said this, and I want you off the record, Rod. Somebody said, "Hey, is, is Texas losing their luster because the game didn't end up a sellout?" My son was able to buy tickets day of game. He and his buddy. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but I, here's what I think on that because remember the tickets were so expensive early yeah. that I think a lot of people bailed on it. And if you're going to New Orleans, you got to make plans. You got to yeah. get a hotel room. You got to get flights or and make. It's a... expensive to do around the New Year. Yes, because the New Year's like any that's an event place. So right? again, this isn't uh, Texas. The, the, I think early on, I talked to a lot of people who this happened for, that the early on ticket prices scared them away, and they didn't make plans. They didn't get a room, mm-hmm. and so they didn't go. I, I can see that. But so my son and his buddy went because we were going, and I was going to be there, so they came with us. And they got tickets on day of game for like 150 bucks. Yeah, price just dropped right, right yeah. before kickoff. Oh, I got so like thousand dollar tickets for 250 dollars day before. Yeah, the yeah. I mean, so yeah, yeah. if you spent money on the thousand dollar tickets, you should have waited. But those are probably better seats. But either way, uh, that's that's really the reason. I mean, the supply and demand thing. It was heavy demand early, hmm. and by game day, people who who decided not to come or because they they announced it a sellout rod. But it seats seventy four thousand. I think the official attendance was like sixty nine thousand. Okay, nice. Um, but <laughs> but so that, I'm sure a lot of I think all those tickets were sold on the secondary market, but they all didn't sell on the secondary they, market. Yeah, they didn't sell. Yeah, they couldn't sell their tickets, or they had to go out in the last second and well, sell them. Well, because at that point you had to be in New Orleans, mm-hmm. and how many people are going to book a trip to New Orleans day of? Not many. Not many. Yeah, it's not one of them towns. Yeah, uh, this says Hurricane has one hundred fifty one rum, one hundred fifty one proof. Yeah, that's what's, it's the strongest oh, rum. Yeah, you oh, go. <laughs> I don't even think my son's ever had rum before. Uh, yeah, I'm not a fan of rum, but I do like hurricanes. I'm not going to lie. Hurricanes are great. Oh, I, 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 I think I had like oh, six yeah. or seven of them. I'm not going to lie. Oh, my gosh. I, yeah. I, I think yeah, Nolan, I, what, one or two? I uh, think he had two. Yeah. But we but also went to, we, we went to a few different establishments. I had to teach yeah. Nolan about uh, okay. tipping as well because he wasn't well, you, very good at you, that. You see Nolan. No, <laughs> Nolan doesn't know about tipping? No, he does not. He wasn't, he was, he, look, he's, he's a young guy. He's 22, and <laughs> no. he doesn't go out much. That and he's also – he, everything Nolan weighs. I mean, no, my son's very skinny. Uh, that's true. He just doesn't have – he didn't have the tolerance either because he doesn't drink a lot. And Knucklehead, he didn't eat much. Uh, oh, I didn't, I didn't eat like the whole time I was there. That was my yeah, that biggest mistake. So he was he, he was. He a went rookie. to New Orleans and didn't eat? Oh, man. Uh, well, if well, I'm drinking, broke, I don't eat. Oh, but New Orleans is special. You got to eat that place. Yeah, we do. Well, we broke up. Uh, well, we split up. We went and ate lunch, and they were supposed to go eat lunch, but apparently they didn't. Oh, they went drinking. They said, yeah, they met yeah. Ty. That's why I'm blaming oh, Ty. That is. Ty, you, you should have made him eat some first, man. Come on, that's a rookie mistake. 
Yeah, because well, that's one of the best parts of being in order is eating. Oh my god, I just eat the whole time there. I eat, I eat like breakfast, and then that's like a a meal in between breakfast, a little little brunch. Then I do some lunch, and then that's like a dinner, and then a, 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 a that's a supper, and then a dinner. Oh man, I and that, love that's those. where your people are from too, right? That's oh, your food. I eat all the downtown there. I end up with stomach aches because I just eat too much. It's too much rich food <laughs> over that town. Oh, and it's so heavy, but it's so good. It's so damn good. <sighs> now I'm hungry. Yeah, Thanks. well, he he learned. So thank you, Ty. I, you know what? My son needed to go through that. Oh, yeah, yeah and I'm glad it took him till he's 22 to like mm-hmm. have really have that experience. Well, yeah, I'm 26 now, and I just now started to realize I don't need to go balls to the wall every time I'm there. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, you go, you can just get buzzed. You don't have to get wasted. That's good. I like yeah. that. That's maturity. Thank you. Yeah. Makes in a little gummy or something. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you go. Now you're being responsible. <laughs> yeah, I wish. Yeah. I wish. Hey, we'll come back. One day. Uh, Ty, I know you had an off the record story. I have one too, Rob, which okay. we'll get to. So we'll pick up some off the record. Sorry, we. Bogart at the time talking that was about off the record. hangovers, <laughs> hangovers. But uh, we'll, we'll take yours. The drive back was miserable. The game itself was frustrating. We'll get to all of it. It took him up with Ian Rodby.